You'd read with me the book of Matthew, chapter 6, starting at verse 25 through the end of the chapter. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thanks, Jason. Let me encourage you to take a, a copy of God's Word, whether one you brought with you or one in the seats there provided for you there to page 811, or to Matthew chapter 6, that text that Jason just read for us. So it was about four or five years ago, I suppose. I'm not exactly sure when uh, this happened. But it was a Saturday night. Um, I remember uh, laying in bed. Couldn't really sleep. That happens, uh, I wouldn't say often, or maybe maybe somewhat often. My mind's just kind of going. But Saturdays particularly, as you can imagine, I... I'm thinking about a lot more things a lot of times and going over to the sermon again and um, praying for people in the church, praying for what I, I know people are walking through sometimes, things like that. It was unusual, though, that um, I felt, uh, I hadn't really experienced this before, but I, I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I felt like the walls were kind of closing in on me a little bit. And I remember just not really knowing what to do and praying, and, but it was hard to pray even. I remember just laying there. And I didn't realize it, but I, I must have been shaking because Anuk says, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. And I couldn't really explain it. And, you know, I've got a great wife, and, you know, she did the other diagnostic questions like, you sure what's going on? You know, can I get you anything? You know, stuff like this. And um, I said, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt this huge wave of pressure, anxiety, or something just crippling my mind in some ways. I've never shared this story publicly. Um, 
And Anouk, just begin to pray over me. Um, if, if you're fairly new to the church and you haven't seen me cry yet, just get used to it. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Um, but, um, you know, she began to pray over me and just saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on with Jeremy. I mean, she's prayed that a lot, but you know, this, was, <laughs> this was, this was, this was unique, you know, she says, I don't know. Yeah. Just, just give him calm and peace and everything. And so I came to church the next day trying to process all this, preached, didn't really talk about it, you know, because you know, I'm like, what's going on here? And um, I've counseled people with anxiety and stuff before, but that day it was real. It was real. Of all the messages in this sermon series that I've planned, I've had the most anxiety about this one. <laughs> and I'm serious, ironically. Because this is such an interesting and difficult subject. And maybe you've had a similar experience to what I've had. Um, and maybe you've walked that path. And maybe far more and in greater depth than me. If your thoughts and your feelings were art, maybe it would look something like this. Like, there's somewhat of a semblance of something there. But it's just a mess, and, and, you're, and, you're trying to, and you're trying to figure it all out, right? And so you can kind of see an outline of something, but it's just really messy and really, really difficult. Now, the good news is that this sermon is a sermon that we all need because we all have moments of anxiousness or worry or something like that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this text of Scripture that Jason just read for us, and... Um, I'm just going to give you three propositions, okay? And I'll give them to you up front here. Here they are. Anxiety is tricky. That's going to be the first proposition. The second proposition is anxiety is not worth your time, okay? And the last one is anxiety doesn't have to crush you. Because that's what we raised in the sermon series. How can we live a grounded life when anxiety is threatening to crush me, okay? And I'm just here to say that that doesn't have to happen, Okay? But it's tricky. So let's start with that, okay? So we're going to start with that, first of all. Uh, but before we do, let me pray and ask God's blessing. God, I want to just ask you now that um, I would speak in a way that's helpful, that's led by your spirit, God, um, that's biblically accurate. And um, I pray that your spirit would use whatever's discussed here, and more importantly, your word, God, that... It would, it, would, it would be used by you to, to challenge and to encourage and to, to equip God. Um, whether people either acknowledge it or admit it or even recognize it, we all struggle with worry and doubt and anxiety and maybe even depression at times. It's a tricky subject, God. And so as we walk through this, Lord, um, Lord we do pray that uh, we be rooted in the text and that... Uh, you, your grace would abound here. We lean on you, Holy Spirit. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I say that uh, anxiety is tricky, first of all, because really this isn't the context here. What, the, what, G, what, what, what this text was, 
was writ for us today here is in the context of Jesus' sermon. He's preaching a sermon here. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you remember, or some of you might remember several years ago, or a few years ago, we walked through the whole Sermon on the Mount uh, sermon. It was a, to me, it was a very enriching study here. And, and, and this is what Jesus is doing. He, he's bringing up a lot of tricky subjects in the whole sermon. I mean, if you look in chapter 5, he talks about anger, right? Okay, so anger is something that we all struggle with, and, and, and we justify, right? You know, it's like, well, you know, hey, listen, you know, I'm a redhead, so I get angry, right? Or whatever the case is, whatever it is, and we, we often judge. But here, here, you know, Jesus is saying, no, that's not right. He brings up lust. You want to talk about a tricky subject? There's lust that he talks about there. And how it's, how it's better if we were to enter heaven with a, with a hand cut off or an eye plucked out than to continue down the path of sin. And he's using this to get, get their attention there. Divorce, tricky subject there. He's, he's bringing divorce up about promises, about retaliation, about loving your enemies, about giving. He talks about prayer and this talks about fasting. And so all of these things, these are all subjects that he's talking about and he's, in, he's introducing and he's redefining in some way, in some ways in this Sermon on the Mount, which is known as Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And here in chapter 6, Jesus, he, he's bringing up the subject of anxiety here. And we're going to make some connections about why he does that here in just a few minutes here. But I just wanted to say on the onset here, I think this is a tricky subject for us to deal with because it's in a message full of tricky subjects, okay? And so this is, this is something we just need to recognize up front. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm being forthright about that from the beginning here. But also it's a tricky subject because the water in which anxiety swims is murky, Okay, the waters in which anxiety swims is murky. Okay, so for instance, care and concern are good things. We should care and we should be concerned, but yet at the same time, worry, anxiety, and panic are not good things. But the difference is, is or the difficulty is sometimes, how do we know the difference? How do I know if, if I'm just being really, I'm showing great care about something or I'm worrying about something? That's really tricky, right? And again, the sermon isn't going to be able to give you a nuanced directive of how you can determine if you're feeling care or feeling anxiety. Those are some things that you're going to have to work together with the Lord on, okay, by the power of the Spirit. But what I'm hoping to do is just give you a framework, okay, give you a framework to deal with that. So the water in which anxiety swims is really murky, right? Furthermore, conversations involving anxiety, worry, depression, and panic, they've evolved over the years, okay? And, and much of that's a good thing. Much of that's a good thing because, you know, for a long time, you know, people wouldn't talk about it at all. And, and even me, you know, four or five years ago when I went through that episode um, that was very significant, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to talk about it. And I still don't, if I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't. There's still part of me that thinks, did I just admit that, I'm, you know, I'm just a really bad sinner now? right? And you're like, oh, Jeremy, we've known that for years, <laughs> you know? But the point is, is like, you know, this is this idea of what am I discussing here? It's, the waters are very murky. So, but the bad news is, that, so the good news is that the conversations are happening, but the bad news is, is that much of the conversation is often filled with conflicting advice and competing worldviews even. Is all worry a sin, okay? Is anxiety a disorder? There's a lot of language about that now. Which is right, okay? And so, as I'm saying, the waters are just incredibly murky about this. And you say, okay, what are all the answers to this? Well, I'm, the point is, is, is not 
for me to give all the clear directives, okay, oh, you're, you're concerned about this, so therefore it is, uh, that's too far, and it's, it, that's, that's anxiety, and that's a sin. Or no, anxiety is not a sin. Now, I will say that the way that Jesus talks about it, it seems that anxiety falls into the sinful category here. But, you know, some people are really frustrated by that. So we're going to walk through that, okay? We're going to walk through that. So for one last reason why anxiety is tricky is um, what we worry about makes anxiety tricky. The tricky thing about anxiety is that it most often involves noble desires, right? Most people, they're not struggling with anxiety over sinful things. I mean, if they were, then it's a guilty conscience they would have to deal with, right? But that's not what they're, they're anxious about. Most people, the thing about anxiety is that they're dealing with things that are good, like their family, right, or health, okay? It, those are all good things, right? Or, or, or people that we love or, or work situations. We're told to work hard. And, 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 you know, in Colossians chapter 3, we just talked about that in the adult discipleship hour for the men's class. And, and all all those type of things. Those are good things, right? But then we tend to be overly anxious or overly worried about those things, and it can lead to depression and despair even. So this is the reason why it's such a difficult subject. So as I was approaching the subject, I felt like I got to be really honest and upfront here. This is tricky, okay? All right? Okay? But here's the conclusion that I've brought us to. It's a tricky subject, so therefore, we must be charitable, okay? There's going to be two takeaways from this before we dive into the, the, the text itself here, is that we have to be charitable when talking about anxiety and then also when listening to others about it, okay? We just must be people who are charitable, knowing that people are on journeys on this, and we need to point them to the scriptures, and we need to point ourselves to the scriptures, and we're going to get into that later on. But the point is this, is that please, if I could just bag of us is that whenever we talk about these type of things, we first got to just be charitable about it, okay? All right? All right? That's the first thing. But more important than charitable, we have to be biblical about it, okay? We've got to be biblical about this, okay? So we're going to be in this sermon here. I'm going to be dogmatic in the areas where the Bible is dogmatic and where the Bible is not dogmatic and I'm not going to be dogmatic in. And so I got to address this on the front right now as I know that this may be in some people's minds, like, okay, what's this guy going to say about medications and anxieties, okay? I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, to be quite honest with you. Partly because the Bible doesn't really talk about it, okay? That's partly why. Here's what I will say, because you may want me, you may be just interested in my thoughts on it, is um, some are permissible, but we should be cautious, that's where I'm going to land on this. I know some people that have been greatly helped by medications in this area, but I also know many people who report that medications over the long run overpromise and underdeliver. Okay, um, I've reached out to some people in preparation for this message who I knew that this was an issue that they've struggled with. Okay, for many years, uh, Christian people. I said, okay, what would you want a pastor, okay, to say in a sermon about this? Okay. And in the feedback I got, you know, one particular uh, individual responded that, you know, the hope is always in a therapy or in a, in a, in a medication, but it doesn't last, okay? There's, there's a deeper solution that has, to be, that has to be found. So I'm not saying they're wrong, okay? Uh, so please don't hear that. Uh, whether or not to use medications is a more nuanced discussion than what the sermon intends to cover, Okay? Involve your medical doctor with that. Involve the scriptures. 
spend time with the Lord on that. And on a private conversation, I'd be happy to have that conversation with you. But I would just say this. Permissible, but just be cautious. Just be really cautious, okay? So I'm going to limit my comments for the rest of the sermon on anxiety to what the Bible clearly teaches, okay? Um, so remember that as we go through the sermon, okay? Um, don't shoot the messenger on this, okay? I'm just telling you what Jesus says, okay? All right, so our first proposition that I need to lay the groundwork for is that anxiety is really, really tricky. But that doesn't mean that we can't talk about it. It doesn't mean that there's not answers about it. It just means we need to be cautious about it, okay? Second point is this, is that Jesus says anxiety is not worth your time, okay? That's what Jesus says here, in the text that was read to us before. Let me draw our attention back to it. It says, therefore, I tell you, this is verse 25 of, of 6, do not be anxious about your life for, uh, or what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Okay. He says this, is that, listen, and, and there's going to be four reasons why Jesus says this as I walk through this second point here today. Is, and the first is this, is that life has a grander purpose than what you are worried about. That's what he says here. He's talking to people, and he's bringing this subject up in a sermon where he's dealing with very difficult issues, but they're issues about life, and they're issues about how to live out the Christian life. And this is what he's talking about, because in the beginning of the sermon, he gives the Beatitudes, and then he says, he talks about being salt and light in this world. And he says, okay, you want to know how to be salt and light? And then he's beginning to show how that this is where the rubber meets the road theology here. That's what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's taking theological concepts and putting them into real-life situations. And here he brings up, Jesus himself brings up this idea of anxiety. And he says, is your, the, the, your purpose, he says, the, your, your life that I've given to you, that the Father's given to you, has a grander purpose than whatever you're worried about. He's, he, he, he reduces the things to, that are, are very near and dear to our hearts, right? You know, what we eat and what we drink. I mean, how we live, how we sustain. Now, again, for that, that doesn't really have a great punch to us today. But think about it in the culture that this was written in. This was a, a, an agricultural, a, a agricultural culture, right? This was, a, this was a situation where people, they, they, uh, they, they made their livings by harvest and, 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 and farming and things like that for the large part. I mean, and then if that, that then there's a fishing uh, uh, industry that was very large. And of course, they had other industries as well. But the main ones are these things about food, right? I mean, that's why you go fishing, right? Uh, well, some of you say, no, I just like the quiet and things like this. Let me tell you, Peter, when he was out on the boat, you know, it wasn't because he just liked the tranquil, tranquility of being on, uh, you know, the Mediterranean Sea. It was because he had a livelihood. It was because this is what he was trying to earn his living on. And so here what Jesus is saying, he says, listen, the things about what you're eating, the things about what you're drinking, okay, he's like, you know, don't worry about it. Think about that. It would be like, you know, for us to say, okay, you know, the job that you get up and go to every day, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Immediately, if I say to you, hey, you know what, don't worry about your job, you're thinking, well, you know, a mortgage doesn't pay itself, right? You're thinking, wait a minute, I've got to worry about this. I've got to be concerned about this. But here what Jesus is saying, he's saying there's more important things than what you're doing, more important things than the clothes you have. More important things are how people see you. More important than all these things. He says, your life has a grander purpose. And he brings the illustration of the birds. And later on, he's going to talk about other illustrations here. 
But he says, is not life more than food? This is verse 25. And the body more than clothing. He says, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, if you look at the surface level of your life, you're going to get anxious. But if you go and see the deeper level and you say, okay, why am I truly here? What is my purpose? Why do I have, why, why did God give me the body that he gave me? Why did, why did he give me this life situations that he gave me? Well, why did he ask me to walk through these things? I just read a book over the weekend, just released, short book, easy to read. It's written by a man by the name of Tim Challies. It's called Seasons of Sorrow. About a year and a half or so ago, maybe two years, I can't remember exactly, uh, uh, very unexpectedly, his son, 20 years old, dropped dead. He was at college, and um, he uh, just all of a sudden fell over. They didn't know what was going on. They still don't know exactly what happened. But at 20 years old, healthy young man just died. This book that Tim Challies wrote called Seasons of Sorrow is him processing. He's an author. He's written other books. He's a blogger and things like this. And so what he does is he, he, he just takes the, the year, one year after his son's death at 20 years old, he takes that next year and he just shares the process that he went through with that. And one of the things I appreciate about reading that book is that he comes to the point, the author Tim does, and he recognizes God's called me to walk through this path. This is a gift from the Lord. His son knew Jesus. His son's in heaven, and he's wrestling, even with that hope, even with that good news that he will see Jesus again. It was an incredible wrestling match, and it still is to this day, right? But here he's coming to the point to realize, my life is much more than just being a dad to my son, and in his case, his two daughters as well. He said he had a greater purpose to that. And then when he realizes that, then it's like all those worries and anxieties and despair and those things, it loses their bite. I'm not going to say it always goes away, but it loses the bite. So life has a grander purpose than what you are worried about. So keep that in mind. When you're threatened to, to think through, and I was thinking through, what are the things that I'm anxious about? You know, I, every Sunday I get up here and, 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 I, and I'm trying to teach the word of God to the best of my ability. And let me tell you, if I can just be transparent, there's times where I'm, anxiety threatens this, right? It's not so much about speaking in front of people. I've long gotten over the fact that, you know, I'm going to make an idiot of myself in front of people. Might as well be 100 rather than 10, okay? I'm okay with that. But it's about what I'm actually doing, right? I, I'm opening the Word of God, and I'm saying, hey, here's what God says. I don't want to mess that up. And if I'm not careful, listen, I, I, anxiety can really crush me about that. But this first point, I say, but is my life only about being a preacher? No. It's about being a servant of God. It's about loving Jesus. And so my identity isn't so much solely just on being a preacher. It's about being a son to the Father, a younger brother to Jesus Christ. That brings the temperature in the room of my soul down quite a bit. So life has a grander purpose than what you're worried about. Secondly, it is related to that you have a father that's looking out for you. He says this in, 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 in verse 26. He says, uh, 
uh, are you not more, uh, even your heavenly father feeds them, talking about the birds. And then he goes on in verse 28, and he says, uh, consider the, the, uh, the lilies of the field. And he's talking about that, of how in verse 30, how if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith here? And then in verse 32, he talks about that the Gentiles seek after all those things, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. And so here we have this idea. We have this idea of, of, of the Father saying, hey, he, he cares for you. He's looking out for you. And so when that temperature is rising, when anxiety is starting to crush you, when worry is starting to cloud your thinking and stuff like this, let me just encourage you to go back to this text here and say, but I have a Father that is looking out for me and is caring for me, okay? And, and the situation may not be, he, he may not take the difficult situation away. I'll never promise you that because the, the Bible doesn't promise you that. But I will tell you that the Father will lovingly care for you through the process and that it is good for you. I've told you this before. If you believe two things about God, you can get through anything in life and that he's sovereign, he's in complete control, and he's good. Okay? And it has to be both, right? And I've shared this a number of times and I'm going to keep saying it because it's so foundational to our everyday living that if God was all-powerful but he was not good, then he could use his power against us. But if he was all good but not all powerful, he could have the best intentions in the world for us, but was absolutely powerless to do anything about it. But no, my friend, the God of the Bible, your God, my God, is all powerful and all good. And here, this is, a whole, this is one of the main foundations of Jesus' argument in this tricky sermon that he's preaching here. And he says, you have a father that cares for you and knows your needs. You say, well, how so? How, how, how can God be looking out for you when my feelings and my emotions are all knotted up and I'm, I'm fighting off worry and anxiety? Remember that picture I showed you a few minutes ago, how we feel sometimes? There's a semblance of something there, but it's, it's all knotted and, and, and it's not very pretty. What I didn't tell you this, and maybe some of you recognize this, but what I didn't tell you this is that what this picture is, is actually the picture of the back side of a tapestry. The front side looks like that. You see, it, we see the back side. We see all the things and the, and the knots and things of this, but we got to realize that God is forming a beautiful tapestry with what he is allowing and he's orchestrating in our lives. You see... We don't always see what God is doing. What we perceive as a mess, though, I'm just here to tell you, is really part of God's beautiful tapestry. Your Father is looking out for you and making something beautiful. So what Jesus does here is he just pulls back the curtain a little bit and says, listen, I know you're anxious. I'm going to tell you, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. You don't need to be anxious for anything. And here's the reason why. Because your Father knows what he's doing. He's caring for you. And even though everything seems knotted and gnarled and just really bad, he says, let me just show you that your Father's creating something beautiful here. This is God. So... Anxiety isn't worth your time, according to Jesus, because life has a greater purpose than what you're worried about, because you have a father that's looking out for you. And then Jesus is very practical in this sermon. He says, listen, it's not going to do any good. <laughs> he says, it will make a positive difference in your situation. Verse 27, interesting text to translate. 
He says, are you, uh, and which of you by being anxious could add a single hour to his lifespan? Now, some of your translations may have uh, a, a, a unit of measurement that talks about height in there, uh, a cubit or something like that. Um, and you say, oh, well, which one? I mean, this is like a, talking about elongating their life. So I'm talking about how tall they are. Um, my brother, you see, I'm, I'm about 6'2". Uh, this is where I topped out at. My brother, who's three years older than me, is like 5'7", okay? Uh, older brothers love being shorter than their younger brothers. I'm just telling you that right now. Love it. Um, and so we used a, a translation when we were kids where it translated this verse as about height. And, you know, and so I remember quoting this verse to my older brother. Uh, I wish I could say it was with great concern for his soul, but... I was mocking him. But moving on. Um, so worry assumes, though, the possibility of control. Oh, I was going to tell you the translation thing. The, the reason why is that the same Greek word could be used for height or, or span. And, another, and it's just really defined by context of it. So you just have to really choose one, okay? The point is the same, though, okay? The point is the same. Is that it's not going to make a difference, okay? You're not going to elongate your life by worrying. In fact... Medical studies show you actually shorten it, but then, uh, or you can't make yourself taller if you want to be taller by worrying about it either. So either way, it's the same point uh, there. And worry, though, is it assumes the possibility of control, okay, over the uncontrollable. This is the reason why we, we, we turn things over. And I'm someone prone to this, right? I'm someone, when, when I want something to go well, I'm making sure all the lists are done, and I'm thinking through, and I'm going over stuff. And part of that is a good thing, right? You want to be prepared and all that. But if it turns into worry, it turns into trying to control it, um, that's where we get into trouble, right? So anxiety, though, here's what we need to understand, though. Anxiety and control are two sides of the same coin. Since we can't control something, we tend to worry about it, okay? If we can't control something, we get anxious about something. And here what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, your father's working his plan out. If you can't control a situation, don't waste time worrying about it because it's not going to make a difference anyway. He says, don't do it. Then you say, well, this is so simplistic. This is so simplistic, Jeremy. You're basically just telling me to stop it. That's what you're basically telling me to do, Right? I would just say, okay, this is, remember that warning I gave of don't shoot the messenger here? I'm just telling you what Jesus said here, okay? So if you look at the text and you come up with something different, all right, okay? And I'd love to hear that. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But as I look at the text, I'm looking at Jesus preaching a sermon and basically says, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Now, I know in the moment, anxiety feels like that you have no control over it at all. I understand that. But I'm telling you that Jesus here is teaching us something different here. He's saying it's not going to have any possibility or, or it's not going to have any positive difference in it, so you don't need to worry about it, right? I have to coach myself on this, on, on things all the time. I mean, things that are, are, are serious and good, like I mentioned preaching earlier, and something, something as stupid and dumb as like Michigan football, okay? I mean, you know, have you ever run, for those of you sports people, okay, you, know, you like watching sports, okay, football, baseball, well, baseball, there's no action in it, so never mind, but so, you know, other sports that actually have action in it, you know, so, you know, you're, you're watching these things, you know, and everything, if you're a sports fan, you know, maybe you're not like me, you know, maybe I'm ashamed to admit this, and you're going to think I'm just crazy, but I get this, like, knot in my stomach, right, you know, it's like, you know, it's a close game, yeah, I remember last season, Michigan's playing Ohio State, 
it's been, you know, since the days of Noah, since Michigan beat Ohio State. And so I was just like, man, this is our year. You know, there's so many years. And so, you know, the game's unfolding, and Michigan's doing well. I mean, we're, we're, we're playing well. I was like, man, this is good, all right? And then we're winning the game, right? And I'm thinking, oh, man, oh, man. And then I have this knot in my stomach, right, okay? And I'm starting to get a little anxious about this. And my brother's calling me, you know, my two brothers. And so it gets to the end of the game, right, where it looks like we're going to win, okay? We're, we can't believe it's happening. I'm telling you, this is embarrassing. But my brother, he, he like, FaceTimes. And so my, my two brothers and I were FaceTiming, watching the end of the game. And we're, like, counting down the seconds because it was like we won. And it's like, yeah, we were so happy that we finally beat Ohio State, right? Okay, it's just so good, okay? You know, just, just rejoice with me, okay? Okay, okay. So, 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 so we did this, okay? All right, and, and so it was just this wonderful moment. And like all this anxiety just like rushed in my body. I'm like tired, you know? I'm just like, oh man, you know, that was, that was, that was exhausting. I mean, you just thought I was on the field with them and everything, but I wasn't. I was like, you know, eating Cheetos or something in my basement here. And I'm all anxious about this, right? So why? Why? It's because I had no control over it. That's why. I had zero control over it. I mean, I think I do sometimes when I'm yelling at Coach Harbaugh, but you know, I have no control at all about it. Right? That's why I'm anxious. And so what Jesus here, he's saying, he's saying, listen, you've got to remember, it's not making a difference anyway. You know? I'll tell you this. During that same game, my wife had zero anxiety. <laughs> All right. She cares. I mean, I mean, that was part of the interview process about whether or not she's going to support Michigan football or not. But the, but the point is, is that you know, she cares and she puts the, you know, dutifully puts the jersey on, you know, on game days and stuff like this and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, she doesn't care. Okay. She's okay. She doesn't worry about it. She knows that worrying about it is not going to make a difference. And she understands football, you know, pretty well. I mean, she's... You know, when we first got married, it was, there was, there was, she didn't understand it, but, uh, but, but she does now, and, and, and we have, you know, but she didn't care because she's not trying to control anything. Me, I'm tempted the other way, right? Okay, so here's the point. Worry, control, identify that. Identify that, oh, I'm trying to control an uncontrollable situation. That's why I have anxiety. Sometimes. I'm not reducing all anxiety to this, but I am saying that often that is a possibility here. Okay? So worry won't make a positive difference anyway. I got one more reason uh, about this uh, before we wrap it up with a third point. And Jesus here says it's not worth the time because worry reveals misplaced priorities. In verse 32, he says this, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. In his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I, I think, I think you know, Jesus kind of probably had a little bit of a smile on his face when he was saying this. Like, listen, tomorrow you're going to have plenty of reason to be anxious and everything. Don't, don't, don't add to it to today. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He ends there in that paragraph. So, therefore, let me go back to that. So, verse 31, it says, therefore, do not be anxious. Whenever we see therefore, you've got to look in context and say, why is he saying that? Because it's built upon something else. I didn't talk about it. If you turn the page back to page 25, or verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. This is how Jason started the reading for us today. 
I purposely didn't bring this up until this point in the sermon here, but that's connected to something. We can't just, we can't just look at that and it's, oh, he says, therefore, so what is he talking about there? He's connecting it to something. What is he talking about? He has just talked about how that you cannot serve two masters. That's what he's just talked about. He says you can't do it. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one master. Therefore, don't be anxious. So Jesus brings up anxiety in the context of the Christian being tempted to live a double life. Think about that. That's, what, that's how he introduces this whole to- topic here. Does it shock you? But look at the text here. The text here is very clear that this is what he does. And he says, listen, if we're constantly prone to being controlled by our anxieties, he says, listen, this is a misplaced priority. Follow Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God. Because if we have that as our first priority, all of those things just kind of melt away, right? So if, if, if I'm, if I'm uh, someone who is seeking first the kingdom of God, and I understand that I have an eternal home with Christ, eternal riches with him, and that it really doesn't matter this life because it's just a temporary stay, and then I look at the stock market, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's down again. Okay, all right. You know, I look at my retirement, you know, portfolio or whatever, and it's like, oh, that number's a lot smaller than the last time I looked at it or whatever. I don't have to worry about it because I can say, well, there we go. You know, as Wayne would say, well, it's a good day to buy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) right? You know, Um, yeah, I suppose so, you know. But the point is, is that it's like, well, well, why? Because that's not what is most important to me. God knows what I need in retirement. And again, should we be, you know, uh, planning ahead? Absolutely. This is not something to say that we don't plan ahead. But we do that with an open hand. We plan ahead and we say, okay, but if you take it all away, you take it all away. Because the Father knows what I need, and I'm here to serve him, and I have a kingdom awaiting me with my older brother who is king, and I'm going to spend eternity with him. Okay. So I lose this today. It's okay. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, Jeremy, it's easy for you to say retirement is a long way off for you, buddy. (laughs) You know, you're looking at drawing your retirement funds and stuff now. Can I say, though, that the scriptures don't differentiate an age in this text? Can I say that the scriptures are very clear that we seek first the kingdom of God? That's what we do. I need to move on. Uh, time has escaped me a little bit here. So, but I do have one other point that I just need to make, and, I, and I'll, I'll try to move through it pretty, pretty quickly here. We had two propositions that we've talked about already. That anxiety is tricky. The second was that Jesus says anxiety is not worth your time. And then the last one is very important, that anxiety does not have to crush you. It does not have to crush you. Here's the point. That, this is the main takeaway point that I want you to take away here today is that you can you can't always control the situation but you can control your thinking you can't always control what's happening around you in fact most times you can't okay but what you can control is what happens here 
Okay? And the Bible speaks a lot about that. Okay? Let me give you some verses here. I, I got them up on the screen. Jot them down uh, in your notes there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, okay, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard from and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Here, Paul is telling the Philippian church, he said, you, you, these are the things you should be thinking about. So, so when, when those moments of fear come up and it's, and, and, and it's like, whatever it is, think on what is true. I can't tell you how many times that I've had to quote this to myself. The older I've gotten, it's weird. I'll tell you this real fast. The older I've gotten, it's weird. I've become so much more claustrophobic than what I once was. I don't know what it is, okay? I remember the first time it just like a wave of it came over me. Um, I remember right where it was. And then, then very soon after, another thing happened. And I, w- I was in an airplane. And all of a sudden, this wave of claustrophobia just came over me. Like, and I thought to myself, I got to get out of this place. I got to get out of this place. You know, I-, I can't explain it. I don't know why. It just happened like this. But then, by God's mercy to me, this verse right here came to my mind. Jeremy, think on things that are true. You don't want to get out of this plane at 30,000 feet, okay? <laughs> you, this is not what you want to do here, right, okay? No, this is the best place for you to be right now, okay? All right? It's like, okay, think of things that are true. Think of things that are true, okay? Think of the situation here, right? We can't always control the situation, but we can't control the thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How will we be transformed? By the renewing of our minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a renewing of our minds. It's like as Christians, we're called to think differently. Okay? Long before Apple made that, their, their, their uh, uh, tagline in the 80s, you know, think different. You know, the Christian was called to think differently. I have to move on. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We have to literally sometimes take our thoughts and like imprison them, captivate them and say, okay, I am not going to think in this way. I am not going to let this thought consume me. I am going to think according to how God tells me to think here in this situation. Think on things that are true. And here's a warning, Proverbs 25. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Often we limit self-control to our actions. But my dear friend, self-control extends into our thinking. Do you control your thinking? Sometimes you think we just let our minds just go and just let the the fears and the anxieties build and build and build. And it's in those moments, let me just implore you to go back to the scriptures and say, what does the Bible say? The Bible says I have a father who cares for me. The Bible says that he is good. The Bible says that he is with me. I have to share this real quickly here. Um, Real quickly, I'm looking at the time. Um, So uh, it's not my notes, so I'm adding this. This is free. This is bonus here. Um, Matthew begins the the book of Matthew, okay? You remember the promise of Jesus coming, right? Okay, Jesus comes, and he talks to Mary, and all the angel talks to Mary and everything, and says, what's going to happen? Remember, they're told, you will call his name Emmanuel, right? Which class means? Very good. God with us, okay? So it means God with us, okay? Then we have Jesus' ministry. We go to chapter 28 of Matthew. He's died. He's risen again. He's given a last 
sermon, if you will, last directive, okay, uh, that leads into what we're going to read, the, the, the second part of it in Acts chapter 1. But in Matthew 28, he says this. He goes and he gives what's called the Great Commission, right? He tells the disciples, he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? This is what he tells them to do, okay? But then he ends with a promise. Who remembers the promise? And lo, I am what? with you always, even until the end of the age. Okay, he brings comfort. He brings the Holy Spirit to us, right? And so here we have Matthew, this beautiful book, and it begins with him saying, you're going to have God come. He's going to be with you. Jesus then leaving, he says, I'm always going to be with you. Man, that is so encouraging to me. It's so encouraging that when, when things are pressing on me and doubts and self-doubt is crippling me and I'm concerned about all the things that are happening or not happening, I go back and I say, Jesus, you're with me. You're with me. We have to control our thinking. If you could take nothing else, like, please take that away. It's got to be informed through the scriptures, okay? All right. I need to move on. I've got two other things real quickly here. We need to believe that we're valuable to God. To deny this is to call God a liar. He says, are you not more valuable than they? He mentions this twice in our text. Jesus comes back to this twice in our text. He says, you are more valuable, okay? And so if he's mentioned it twice, this is an important point for Jesus. And he says, you have to understand that you are valuable to God. So when those moments of anxiety threaten to crush you, and this is how we live a grounded life, is that when we go back and we say, but, but by God, and according to his grace, according to his mercy, he says, I'm valuable to him. It's not because of inherent worth. It's because of that he, he he's, or, or things that we've done that's caught his attention. It, it, it's just that he says, you're my creation. You are valuable to me. So it doesn't ha- anxiety doesn't have to crush you. Know that you are valuable to God. We can spend more time on that, but let me finish with this point here. We need to put our energy into what is certain rather than what is uncertain. This is that seek First, the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus has brought up the subject of anxiety in connection with not being double-minded. We saw that in chapter 6, verse 24. And so the more we focus on eternity, the more we focus on the plan that God has for us, the more we focus on that this life is temporary anyway, that we are created for the next life, we're created for eternity with God, the more we focus on that, then the less influence anxiety has over us. If we realize, wait a minute here, this is just a stopgap. This is just a life that we're living in preparation for the next life. That bite that anxiety has, that, that threaten, to, the, the, how it threatens to crush us, all of a sudden it, it dissipates. I'm not going to say it goes away always, but it dissipates. Let me conclude with this verse. For I consider that the sufferings of this present life, or this present time, are not worth comparing with a glory that is to be revealed to us. If you're walking through a difficult situation that is threatening to crush you, that anxiety is building, that worry is mounting, can I ask you to memorize Romans 8, 18? Write it down. Stick it on a sticky note. Put it on your bathroom mirror, something like that. Just understand that the things that you're walking through the things that are threatening for us to be anxious about. But in the authority of God's word, it says it's not worth to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in eternity. 
This is how we, we keep anxiety from crushing us. So we, we embrace the complexity of it. We know that it's not worth our time, and we refuse to allow it to crush us. We control our thinking. We believe that we're valued by God, and we put our energy into what is certain. In the back, um, or on the, the sermon notes, um, there is uh, several uh, recommended resources about anxiety that I've read through. Uh, I would encourage you. There's a, an article on the welcome table just called Don't Worry by David Paulson. Uh, I also on the Church Center app, if you're not part of that, you can download it. There's a sermon resources tab that every week we put things in there. And so if you click on that, uh, all these are hyperlinked, all the books that, that I've put on the sermon notes, they're there. Uh, you can download that free PDF. Another thing that we did, uh, Jane made this for us this week, is, uh, is uh, bookmarks. There's bookmarks on the uh, uh, welcome table over there. And this has, uh, you know, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you in the front. But on the back, um, there's just things, just verses, that uh, anxiety in general, anxiety about being useless, about feeling weak, about difficult decisions, about opponents, afflictions, about aging, uh, death, uh, all these other things that we've we listed here. So let me encourage you, grab one of these bookmarks, um, and it could be a, a helpful reminder to you. But I did not list Romans 8, 8 18 on it, and I should have. And so that's why I wanted you to see it on screen here.